Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Let's Connect. This is Keith McPherson here, and I'm really glad you've decided to join me. This week on the podcast, brace yourself, I'm so excited. I got to speak with Martin Root, who is the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work. Uh, He's good friends with Jack Canfield, and he came on to speak about his work, a project called Heaven on Earth. It's the most incredible thing. So we're going to hear from Martin and a couple other surprises as well. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everyone, and Happy New Year to you. It's a brand new year, 2019, and I'm sitting here in my basement in Winnipeg tonight with a very special guest. This was very unexpected this week, but uh, Giovanna Manena is here. One of my dear friends is here to kick off the new year with us before we get to the interview with Martin. G, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually really excited to be back. This is nice. You're the first returning guest. Uh, Yeah, this is so cool. It's very cool. So tell me, how was your holiday and ringing in the new year? It was fantastic. We had a quiet New Year's and a busy Christmas. So it was nice to get through the busyness first and then go into like a really chill New Year's and set the right intentions. That's great. So do you have a formal process for setting intentions for the year Um, I'd like to think I do. I really, um, over the last few years, have honed my manifestation and intention setting process. So I found um, that this year I really took the time to write a lot of things down and visualize them and really go into 2019 with a clear mind and a clear vision of what I want for the future. Amazing. So Mm -hmm. is it like a formal group of questions you ask or how do you get it all down on paper? Well, this year I decided to write myself 19 questions for 2019 and go through them one by one and in depth and detail so that I can just get really clear about what I want and just kind of refer back to that when I feel lost or like I'm not on the right path. Wow, that's so great. I just, I'm so intrigued by something we were just talking about before doing this formal podcast (laughs) and I just want to touch on it briefly but you were talking about the power of telepathy and how that can you explain a little bit about this because it's pretty amazing uh telepathy for me is hard to explain oh man (laughs) (laughs) well just in terms of like you were talking about somebody that like a near-death experience yes and how this connected with telepathy and somehow navigating in different Dimensions, realms, dimensions. And, realms. and this is going to yes. just, I'm prefacing, this could sound a little woo woo to some people. It here. could, I was just going to say, I don't know if a lot of people are going to so super understand what I'm talking about, but. But we're kicking off the okay, new year. Exactly. Let's just get into it. Yeah. So, um, I've been really obsessed with near death experiences lately to the point where I've just been like researching them on like crazy on YouTube and listening to people's stories. Yeah. And, um, I've been finding a lot of connections in terms of their experiences. They're very similar. Now, um, for me, what I see when I hear people talking about it or um, I'm just doing more research on it is that I find that everyone describes a near-death experience as a different dimension entirely. Like you're not anything physical. It's more on an energetic level. Mm. Um, This feeling of like light as a feather or like feeling like you're home or all the burdens of being on earth has just escaped you. Hmm. So now when I think of telepathy, I almost think of connecting it in that way to a different dimension and connecting to people on more of an energetic level, like, like projecting energy, like from your mind, using that as your tool 
to accept messages from the things going on around you because everything is connected. So tapping into that has been something I've just been trying to practice here and there. And, and it's a little bit different than using your intuition because it's just like this whole body of knowing, this whole feeling of knowing exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that um, happened. It, it just happened. Yes. Can we share this story? It's <laughs> Absolutely. amazing. It's amazing. So my mom um, was waiting on finding out whether or not she was accepted on an offer that she made on a home purchase. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so while she was waiting for this call to come through, um, the price of the house was significant, like what she offered was significantly lower than what, what the asking price was. Okay. And she was worried that they would either come back with a counter offer or just not accept it at all. And for some reason, I just decided to tap into it and I was like, nope, it's going to be accepted. And I just had, I just knew. And so the call came through and it was, it was accepted. So it's just this understanding, wow. this knowing that I was able to tap into that everyone, like, I just said it out loud in the room and everyone was like, holy man, like she just, <laughs> she just called that like uh, wow. firm in like so confident in it so did it feel like you were tapping into what you're describing yes where it's like it's th- that near-death experience oneness or connect everything connected energy. yeah it wasn't like the near-death experience side of it but it was the the like you said the idea the energy of it and um where all of that wisdom mm-hmm. comes from yeah there's a that, diff- that knowing that kind of all understanding of what's happening when it's going to happen and how it's all connected it's fascinating it's hard to describe unless you're kind of like in it or living it there's not really words there's for no it. words like that i don't yeah. know it's just this like thing we haven't experienced yet it's something that's coming with the new age and the new era of what we're walking into and a lot of people have been feeling like 2019 mm-hmm. is completely different energy and feeling than 2018 i don't know why and it's only a few days it's in. just only a few days in and it's like this whole transformation and i think this is like this next steps into what we're getting into with the future. I think you're right onto mm-hmm. it. And I was saying to you earlier too, there's there's a shift in me right now where I'm noticing, I mean, that we're just saturated with so much stuff right now. Like we're bombarded by mm-hmm. all these online courses. I mean, I even have one, mm-hmm. but there's like, you know, there's everybody is producing material and I'm finding that the resonance isn't in the, the doing or how the quantity, it's like the quality. The quality. And the quality to me, is coming from that place of spirit or this place you're talking about that's oneness. Mm-hmm. And when we rush projects or when we're just kind of writing down, oh, New Year's resolutions, like uh, don't don't eat more all this food or, you know, work out more. But mm-hmm. it's coming from a place of just like that one dimensional yeah. almost separation versus the place of like oneness. Yeah. There's a huge difference. Huge. Yeah. I'm sh- ha- like you were saying, even how you run your business. Similar, Absolutely. similar approach. How I live my life you, is yeah. just with intention and how much it's shifted from, you know, when you think about doing something, I always check in and I say, is this my ego speaking or is this my soul speaking? Because right. if it's my soul and I feel good about it, I move forward with it. But mm-hmm. if it's ego, I can tell right away that it's a quick fix or it's because I need to feel better about myself in that moment. Right. And then you check yourself and you're able to decide whether or not that's the right path to, to move down that's exactly this mm-hmm. okay one last one yeah one, one more thing i gotta ask you so i just learned that you are going to be on the tv show dragon's yes. den yes, what the heck is like the <laughs> dragon's den like how did that all happen? that's another crazy story because i've watched that show for like 
eight, nine years. They're on season 13 wow. this year. Really? So I've watched it like growing up and yeah. I always wanted to be on this show. Like I envisioned myself being on this show for so long. And the craziest part about that is I left that intention like just a few years ago and was like, that would be so cool to be on that show. Like I really want to do that. They asked me to be on the show. They approached you. They approached me. Wow. Which Speak was about like about manifestation. I, right? That's and telepathy ma- and wow. It's that's like amazing. to the max. <laughs> so what So they just wow. they saw my business on a Futurepreneur um website because we were part of Futurepreneur their accelerated growth program. And for the listeners that aren't familiar yes. with your work, your business is? Uh, I own Browse by G. We are a company that specializes in eyebrow restoration and all things eyebrows. Cool. So, so yeah. they, they learn about you from yes, Futurepreneur. from Futurepreneur. And we just came out with a new brow eyebrow product. Huh. And so they reached out to us and asked us to come onto the show. They had to trust that we were good pitchers, that we had a good business because it was last minute. Wow. And a lot of people have to audition to get onto the show and we were just asked. So it was a, a great, that cool experience. And what's it like walking onto the set? And it's, is it filmed live? It's filmed live. It reminds me of Canadian Idol. Yeah. It's like that summer on there. Three, two, one go. And you have, wow, just it's one shot. That's all you get and to impress people. And what was it. it like for you in that moment? Well, we got there really early in the morning and I adrenaline is rushing and you've been practicing your speech and you've been going through all the motions and we kept getting pushed back. We were the last people to go of the first set of the day. Oh, wow. So we were there at six in the morning and we didn't end up shooting until 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So I was going through these roller coaster of adrenaline rushes oh, the entire no. day. <laughs> I can relate to this. Yes. But once it. you're out there it, and I stood there in front of them and after it was done, the sense of accomplishment that I felt was incredible because I had done something I've always wanted to do. Mm. And I got over my fear of the what if or what are people going to think or am I going to fail? Are they not going to like me? And I just got over it and I had fun with it. And it's it was a great experience. That is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't share what happens. Not yet, but on February 7th, you can definitely watch it. <laughs> I, I will be tuning in live. And anyone listening, Dragon's Den in Canada. February 7th? Yes. 2019? Yeah. Let's see if G makes her million dollars. I don't know. You'll have, to, you'll have to figure out what, what happens. I know. I'm so yes, excited. Yeah. Good, congratulations. Thank you. Um, one final thing before we go, because Martin Root is going to be joining us on the podcast in a moment. And Martin um, has some amazing work, this project called Heaven on Earth. And he asks a few very powerful questions in this project and in this book and stuff. Um, if I were to ask you right now, G, mm. just to get us started. Sure. To you right now. Um, what would it mean if you could live a day of heaven on earth? Wow. What would heaven on earth mean to you? Like I got chills when you asked me that. It's like a really powerful question. It is. What's heaven on earth to you? What is heaven on earth to me? Oh man. I think it's creating a world where there's peace and kindness and love constantly. And just being able that that people can freely be who they are, like release all the attachments to their own judgments or their own fears and kind of just let that go and just be fully 100% who they are and who I am in in the moment in living. Like I really feel that. And that's a great lead into this interview because I don't want to give it all away, but the, the other questions that follow this, it's just, it's transformative. It's really amazing. 
I love your vision. Oh, thank you. I want to live your heaven on earth. (laughs) So so I think you can make it a true reality if you, if you put your mind to it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's well, you'll see it's possible. So, um, joining us next on the podcast is Martin Root. And, uh, so without further ado, here's Martin. All right. Well, joining me on the podcast today, a very unexpected, but synergetic, uh, connection here. Um, I've got Martin Root with me. Uh, and we're just talking all about this idea of heaven on earth and his new book and just some really, really amazing wisdom. So Martin, thank you so much for being here on Let's Connect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure to be with you, Keith. I absolutely love how we've been brought together by, uh, a mutual friend. I was saying I was in Toronto last week and a good friend of mine, Krista, uh, said, you've got to meet Martin. And um, I'm just really excited and intrigued by this connection that we've got going on here already. It's pretty instant, wasn't it? It, yeah. re- it really is. You know, Martin, just yeah. for everyone listening, I'd love to um, you to take me back to just how all of this began for you. I know that you've got this book that's coming out or has come out, but just take me all the way back to how did you first connect with spirit? Whoa, <laughs> what a question. I didn't expect that. I've always felt a connection with with God, with um, always. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's a funny question, which is why I'm pausing, because I never have not felt it. Um, I thought it was weird because nobody else kind of felt what I felt and all that stuff. But, you know, growing up, I went to synagogue and then I did a lot of personal development work and a lot, visited a lot of different religions. And uh, it, it's always been present. It's, God is it's always been present for me. Yeah, I, I really get the sense but, of that when we when we talk. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. So, if you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast and they're on this spiritual journey of just seeking, trying to find what we might call spirit. And I'm just curious from you, like people that are, are looking for this connection that, you know, a lot of my guests speak about, um, what's the entryway to this? And, and what is this exactly? Why don't I give you a little background about how I very specifically got into it as in terms of work? Um, and then we can see where that leads. Yeah. Um, my, okay, my, you know, I'm a, I'm a management consultant a uh, pretty traditional kind of guy in terms of my clients have included um, Sony Pictures, Virgin Records. Um, I've spoken at the Harvard Business School four times on Vision. Um, Southern California Edison has been a client. Um, Marion Merrill Dow, Consumer Pharmaceuticals. So pretty traditional consulting. And... Um, when I started, before I got into this particular consulting uh, gigs, I, um, I'm trying to think of how this all happened. Oh, I, I, was, uh, I ended up at a yoga retreat in uh, northern Michigan, Michigan called Song of the Morning, which is a um, uh, yoga, um, Yogananda, mm. his, one of his disciples. And I was sitting on the edge of a, a lake one day. And my life had been kind of, you know, I didn't really know where I was going. And uh, this red neon sign flashed into my head. And it said, the name of the game is Martin Root, and it can be played anyway. (laughs) And 
It was very profound, very, I, no one told me that. I never knew that. And, and for this to occur, you know, in a deep spiritual retreat um, was quite profound. And it got me uh, going uh, in the sense that at the same retreat, I met this guy, Bob Branscombe, may he rest in peace. And he was a management consultant who had combined personal development with objective setting. And I just knew there was something there. And I went to Chicago, took his course and said, Bob, this is for me. I want to bring this back to Canada. I was in Toronto at the time. I am Canadian. Well, and I also have U.S. citizenship. And uh, I brought it back and I started doing vision. And, and we started doing, in a way, spirited work because I would work with people on the difference between their mind and their soul. Mm. And when you set objectives from your mind, you're limited by what you've done in the past and what you, by what you believe is possible. When you set it from your soul, as, as Bob had designed in this course and, and his business partner, Tim Close, um, you can do, you can achieve beyond what you believe possible. And that's a very important phrase in my life because what you believe is possible is only clearly from the mind, but the spirit has, you know, much more limitless possible, not much more limitless possibilities. So I began doing that work, doing a personal development courses. People asked me to get into vision in, co in companies. I didn't know what that meant, but I just jumped in uh, a true entrepreneur and started doing all that work with, with corporations in Canada and then in the U.S. I spoke at Harvard, as I said, four times on vision. And then um, I, we, I'd come back from a trip to, uh, to Hong Kong, and I went into a funk, Keith, and I didn't know why. Hmm. And um, it was like two pieces, you know, tongue and groove carpentry. They, they, they separated, and I didn't know why. So was it my marriage? No, mar wonderful marriage. Was it my work? No, I loved my work. So right. what was it? And I ended up, good Jewish boy that I am, at an Augustinian monastery <laughs> wow. north of Toronto and had a very profound epiphany, very profound. And I heard a voice come and say, it's about God. And the two pieces of wood just went boom, back together. And I knew that I wanted to begin talking about God and spirituality and work and and everybody in Toronto at that time. This was late eighties. No, you can't do that. You'll lose your reputation. You know, people will think you, you you've become a zealot. You're proselytizing. Yeah, wow. Everybody said said no. Wow. I went to California that summer, spoke to a bunch of friends there, all of whom said, "Go for it." And so the juxtaposition of people saying in Toronto no, and everybody in California saying yes that I saw what the issue was, was my fear of your reaction when I brought up the phrase spirituality and work. So I went back to Toronto. I said to people again, I want to talk about spirituality and work. No, you can't, you can't, you can't. And I said, well, isn't this interesting? Number one, I, I haven't defined what I mean by spirituality. And number two, I'm not asking you for anything. So why are you so nuts here? Mm -hmm. And all, you know, all of them were saying, well, because, you know, you're going to proselytize, you're going to try to make us think your way, and which was the, I mean, complete farthest idea from my mind. I'd never, never entered my mind. But it kept coming up over and over and over again. Hmm. And so I knew I had to bust that paradigm. And then one day the, the penny dropped and I had this idea come into my head, this thought, 
it's not spirituality as an answer. It's spirituality as an inquiry, an oh. ongoing. In the same way that you, yeah, in the same way that you would ask, you know, what is beauty? What is love? What is truth? Whatever answer you come up with, that's not the end. And then to make that jump into the business world, what I said was to business people, every day you come to work in business, you ask this inquiry, how do I make my business more successful? It's an open-ended question. It's not a closed question like, what's the capital of Canada, Ottawa? That's it. It's closed. Right. It's open. So that's what spirituality and work was. And people loved that, loved it. Because, you know, they would say, well, before we begin, why don't you tell us what you mean by spirituality? And I said, no, because if I tell you and you agree, it's over. And right. if I tell you and you don't agree, it's over. Isn't it better for you to discover what it is and then engage wow. at whatever that, level you want? I love this. I What I'm really appreciating about this, too, is the openness of it. It's so non, um, like, pushing any agenda. It's just uh, allowing no. the open conversation. And I, I just want to pause here. And, for, and oh, go ahead. it's okay for you to say, no, I don't want to engage. Right. The, people, people have to know in the audience if they don't want to engage, if that's okay. But what's fascinating is when they know that it's okay not to engage, most of them will engage. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I just I want to pause on this because um, I, yep. I find too, just in the work that I'm doing, there is a lot of resistance towards like spirit, spirituality, God. I mean, I I, ima I can only imagine Since in the '80s that must have been even more prevalent. It why, was like huge in your experience of it. Like, why do you think people are so resistant to these these words, these buzzwords? Good question. Couple of couple of responses. Mm -hmm. People said to me initially, "Don't use the word spirituality. Say vision or truth." or integrity or you know any of those and i said but there's no integrity in me using a code word for what i want to talk about i want to talk to you about spirituality and work you want to talk to me about it fine you don't i completely fine not to that's really I, I know i've said it before but i want to say it to you again it's important for people to get that you don't have to do this and then once they get that they don't have to then they're a choice. They can either say yes or no. Hmm. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the notion of religion and spirituality, those are loaded words, because, especially with, with religion, because people have lots of issues from childhood. It's what I called unresolved childhood issues about religion. Hmm. And it boils down to one of two things. One is, when I was a kid, religion did this and it shouldn't have. Yeah. Or when I was a kid, religion didn't do this and it should have. Uh. And so I did a talk once called, uh, oh, I've, I forgot the title of it. Um, ah, Being Complete with Your Own Religion, mm. and which, in which I asked people to go back and revisit the religion of their childhood get any of the negativity out. It, it, you can swear, you can say anything you want about the negative. Just get it all out on the table so that we don't stay at the childhood trauma. We actually mature into an adult relationship with religion. And then if you want to engage with religion, do. If you don't, don't. But don't let the childhood traumas 
be the determining factor. The other thing is, people think that you can't change religion, that you can't engage with it, that that it's in control, that you have no agency. And I I really want to say that to people. No, religion does change over time. It's just that the speed of change is different. You know, if you compare religion to, say, fashion, I I remember a talk once in Santa Fe, this guy said, different speeds of institutions. So fashion is the quickest speed, Hmm. then uh, business, then science, then I think religion or government, but so, but just to compare between religion and fashion, right? Yeah. They change at different speeds, but they do change. Hmm. They do change. How so? How so that, like, just on that, how does religion change? How do you see that? I'll give you an example that I, I said I'm I'm Jewish, and there was a, a movie here in Santa Fe that we went to see called Trembling Before God, and it was done by a man who's gay who directed the film. And he had this thought about, you know, um, what are there gays in Orthodox Judaism? Hmm. And so he, he put this ad in the New York papers or whatever. Anyway, he got a whole bunch of people and he began interviewing them uh, on camera, some who would not even want their faces to be shown because they were too scared of what would happen. Others who were kicked out, you know, from their family because they were gay and so on and so on. And at the end of the of the film, the, the director was there and, you know, questions. And so one guy puts his hand up and says, you know, it'll never change. Religion will never change. It's fixed. It's concrete. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, here's what I think is going to be one of the factors changing religion. When parents, Orthodox parents of gay children come to the rabbi and say, look, my son or daughter is gay. And if you expel him from her, from the religion, you'll lose, you know, you'll lose that congregate. Yeah. And he said, that's where the pressure comes. And he said, but it will take time. It will take time. Um, and, and I, you know, I went to this new kind of uh, Orthodox synagogue in, in uh, Scottsdale recently. Um, Orthodox, right? Mm. And the rabbi was a husband and wife. Wow. They co-led the service. That's, that's like we, mind-blowing. <laughs> my, I, wow. You can't believe I was sitting there going, what? <laughs> yeah. How cool. So religion religion does change. I think, you know, all the stuff that's happening now with, with respect to the sexual abuse crisis in the Catholic Church, it's terrible the way it's been handled. Yes, yes. But it's you can see the lady beginning to, to kind of rise up and going, wait a minute. This is not acceptable. Yeah, we want to have a voice here as well, and so that kind of democratization process, slow, but it's you can see it happening. Yeah, that's really. And the, the other point I wanted to make too, you asked a little bit before that. I was at a talk once that this guy was giving, and he said, um, "What's the difference between spirituality and religion?" And you know, everybody's saying, da, 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 spirituality is non-dogmatic, and you know you can do your own thing, and the, the religion is, is, is dogmatic, but the, no, the good part of it, it's you know, condensed wisdom over 5,000 you know, eons of time. Yeah. And he said, for me, spirituality and religion are both branches of the same tree, and the tree is called the direct experience of the divine. Oh, wow. Oh, I wow. thought that was so wise. Yeah, that's powerful. 
It's and there's I as you said that something that popped up in me is just the there there's so many different entryways to that and it's so individual, yes. right? In terms yes. Of, yeah. Wow. I love I, I another question that's popping in for me about this is why do you want to speak about spirituality, especially in like the workplace environment? I mean, this is a really it's still kind of an edgy thing to bring up in, in workplace culture. Why is this important? Well, let's to you? look let's look at some history here. Okay. 20 years ago, the only thing I could, 20, 30 years ago, the only thing people could talk about in work was, you know, marketing, advertising, profitability, yeah. customer retention, that kind of stuff. And on the personal side, career development, that yep. was it. Yes. Totally. And then more of the human came in. I'm gay. I'm black. I'm uh, a woman. I'm an alcoholic. You know, I'm a drug abuser. Each time one of those issues came in, everybody said, oh, you can't talk about that. You can't talk about that. It's going to cause so much disruption in the workplace. And, you know, we have we got work to do. But there were people who said, no, no, look, these are issues that need to be addressed. And if they're addressed with wisdom, then we can incorporate all these different kinds of people and have a more diverse, uh, robust, vibrant workplace. And they did that. And they're continuing to do that. Wow. I think spirituality and work is the last on that spectrum because many people, you know, either they're religious or, or they're spiritual, they know they can do that at work or they can do it at home. Excuse me, they, can, they know they could do it at home or in places of worship, yeah. but they can't do it in the workplace. What if there were a way to do it respectfully, honoring the workplace, but that still would allow your spirit to be fed? And so I think really progressive, insightful managers and leaders realize that um, if the spirit is shut down in either the individual or the or the company, and we know that. How many times have you gone into a workplace and gone, oh boy, it's not working here and I can feel it. Weekly, I'm right? in those you, scenarios with people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or you go into another place and go, holy mac. We went to our bank here yesterday. We, we made a connection with the manager. She was all over us. Hi, how are you doing? And I, I want to go back there because mm. the spirit is alive there. So in in a in one way, it is a business advantage. That woman has a full spirit. I want to be with her. Mm. Uh, it, so and the other thing is something called discretionary energy, which is a phrase I really love. So let's say that I hire you. You hire me, right, to do this job ABC, and you pay me. X amount of dollars a, a month. Yeah. In addition to what we agree to that I'm going to do for you and for what you're going to pay me, I have what is called discretionary energy. That is energy that I can put into this job at my discretion only. You can't ask me to do it. You can't demand it from me. Mm. But if I'm if I'm in love with this place, if if I'm if my soul is nurtured, obviously my paycheck as well, the kind of work. I excel, I thrive, I will give you more of that discretionary energy. And I think smart workplaces are aware of that and want to unleash that. Oh, brilliant. So I, I suspect what you're suggesting here is if we allow people to practice their spirituality in a respectful way in the workplace, they're going to be motivated to, to rise up. Yes, in a good way. Hmm. I absolutely love this way of thinking, although I can tell that there is definitely a lot of edge here um, just from conditioning there, and past, right? 
Exactly, exactly. But it's changing. You know, there. I told you about our Center for Spirituality in the Workplace at, at the Sobe School of Business mm. at St. Mary's University in Halifax. There are other. Princeton has a center, I know. Um, the Tyson School, uh, of, excuse me, the um, Sam Walton Business School at the University of Arkansas has the Tyson Center for Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace. So it's coming. There's an academic journal. There's the Journal of Management, Spirituality, and Religion, which is about 10 years old now, I think, so that academics can write papers and uh, publish them there. So it's a it's a legitimate field of study. Mm, wow. So Things it's moving changing. forward. Things are changing. Yeah. You know, I'd love to hear too, Martin, from you. Um, just not not to like say what it is, but just in your own opinion or your own experience of spirituality, what does that mean to you? Well, I, first of all, I don't have a stock answer. Yeah. What I do is I really look in the moment. It's presence. You know, th these are the analogy here is like we were in a restaurant last night and they presented us with a menu and you read what's on the menu. Yeah. The, me the menu is not the meal. Uh -huh. So I'm giving you words that are menu words. Right. Not, not the experience of it. Right. Not the experience. Yeah. Um, it's presence. It's love. It's, there's a sense of certainty. Uh -huh. There's a sense of peace yeah. of, as a friend of mine said recently, quiet enjoyment. Mm. Um, do you find it subtle? Like, do you, do you find it subtle to tap into, or is it is it um, something you just you can connect to right away for you? This place, I can connect right away. You yeah, can. I just have to stop. I just have to stop and go. Okay, connect. Wow. Like, really? well, I'm mean, what? Do it right now. Hold on. Yeah, there. So what exactly did you just do? <laughs> That's amazing. I, I just, well, that's a good question. I, I think I kind of stopped my mind got and got fully here. Just presence is what you're saying. Yeah, the presence, presence again, yeah. Wow, that's really magical. And what's the difference between where you were and then when you paused and connected? What's your experience of where, it? Where I, where I was, was um, giving you m mental constructs to get at it. Yeah. And then when I stopped, which were pretty good, I think. And then when I stopped and had the direct experience, you just picked that up. Yeah. So when you go back, like, to when you first experienced this, like, you, I think you'd mentioned it's always been there in some form. Does it get stronger this connection to this this experience as you yeah. give it it does as you give it attention? Yeah. It, it, that's it. You just said it. Wow. You just said it. Unbelievable. Yeah, cuz there's I mean I know there's people that listen to this podcast that are trying to build that connection and they don't know how to access it and what what would you say to them? Like how how do you access this place? I was listening to a guy uh, two days ago. Let me just look. I think his name is Rupert. Here it is. Rupert Spira. Hmm. Okay. Rupert, R-U-P -R -U like Peter, E-R-T, and then Spira, S-P-I-R-A. He talks about unity consciousness. And when I watched him, I mean, it was just right there. 
just mm. right, right there. And, you know, this woman was asking about enlightenment. I've always been trying for enlightenment, enlightenment, enlightenment. And he said, no, no, it's it's here now. Wow. Just be have your, your um, forgot his exact words, but this is not good language, what I'm about to say, not as good as his. You can bring it forward to be more present and more the majority of your, your time. Those are not his words, those are mine. Yeah. But you get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I know that the word... Uh, I want... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, because I, I want to talk about uh, heaven on earth as well. Yeah, we're going to do there. that. I was just going to go there. Okay, Because <laughs> I know go there's... Good. Go ahead. Well, I mean, just in our brief meeting before this podcast recording, you, you asked me these three very powerful questions that I found very transformative. And it's correlated to your work around this new book and this, this whole movement called Heaven on Earth. So... Can you explain a little more about it? I, I'm so excited for people to hear about this. Yeah, I'll tell you how I came to it, because I think that story is, is, is a nice bridging story. So we've been talking about my work on spirituality and work, and I was here where I am at this moment in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, speaking at a conference on spirituality and work, mm, oh, good, maybe 20, 25 years ago. Hmm. And I was in, in the green room just meditating before I was going out to speak. And I, I was thinking, you know, if every business in the world is spiritual, is that what you want? And which I thought it was. And I, uh, the answer arose, no. If every business in the world is spiritual, because business is the temporal power in the world today, we could actually transform the world. And then this thought popped into my head, oh, you mean heaven on earth? And I thought, what? You can't say that. <laughs> and then I thought, well, wait a minute. You you can't say you couldn't say heaven on you couldn't say spirituality worked twenty years ago. You know why can't you say heaven on earth? I mean, I can certainly talk to you about hell on earth. That's permissible conversation. Yeah. And so I I just knew it was an inbreaking. I just knew this is the next phase of my life. Wow. This is a piece of work that. And so the, the title came up, Project Heaven on Earth. That's the title of the book. But it has two meanings. It's both project, the noun, and also project, the verb. Heaven on so Earth. So project heaven on Earth and project heaven on Earth. Yeah. Brilliant. And so that's been, the last 20 or so years has been working on that. And then my new book just came out uh, in March of this year uh, called Project Heaven on Earth, the, the three simple questions that will help you change the world easily. Wow. So what is heaven on earth? I think that there's a yearning, a longing within each of us for a world that w w really works. Like not a you know good idea, but like a real soul's yearning to have this place work. The end of sufferings, the end of, you know, of unnecessary suffering, unnecessary pain, relationships work, uh, countries work, economic systems work. But we thought that heaven on earth is not possible. It, it simply is not. That, and, and that that belief that it's not possible or misbelief, a better way of saying it, Mm -hmm. That misbelief that it's not possible is what controls us. Yeah, you and I can go out for a nice meal and have a wonderful evening talking about spirituality. But ultimately, you know, there's going to be crap in the world. Mm -hmm. That's and such a common way I, of thinking. Yeah. 
yes, I don't buy that. And I, when I see tremendous suffering in the world on TV or in person, you know, my heart is ripped. And does God want that? I mean, where does it say in the Bible or the Torah, the, the Quran, any holy text that we have to have this kind of hell on earth? We are, we have agency here to create a new story, to co-create a new story of what it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity. And I'm naming that along with many growing numbers around the world. We're saying we are experiencing and co-creating heaven on earth. Wow. Okay, that's the game. Let's go. Let's, I mean, we're serious. Let's go do this. So how do we do it? And how do we actually do, do this? Do so when that notion came forward to me, oh, you mean heaven on earth? And I thought, well, you can't say that. And I said, well, why not? I began again an inquiry, you know, this open-ended question I talked to you about before. What's heaven on earth? So I went around to people and start saying, you know, let me ask you a question. What's heaven on earth for you? What's heaven on earth for you? What's heaven? And I had no preconceived idea of what it is. But there was this yearning that we got to do something here. We, and we can do something here. And so that distilled over many years into three questions. And um, why don't I just ask them of you right now? I'd love it. Let's do it. All right. And for those listening, uh, if you go to my website, projectheavenonearth.com, and sign up for the course, there's a free course, you'll get the three questions. Okay. So question one, Keith, recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth. Wow. What was going on? Well, I'd have to say, like, the first thing that pops up every time I get asked this question from you is I'm in Maui, Hawaii, on Kanapali Beach, and it's just a brilliant day, and I'm just relaxed and connected, connected to the spirit there. Very clear. Second question. Imagine you have a magic wand in your hand right now. Okay. And with this, okay, with this magic wand, you can have heaven on earth. What's heaven on earth? Wow. I would say it would probably have to be, uh, it'd be like a, a world where there's no judgment. It's just we accept each other for all our beliefs, who we are, what we want to believe. It's, it's just there's this feeling of unity and oneness. Very clear. Very clear. And then the third question, what's simple, easy, concrete step what simple easy concrete step will you take in the next 24 hours to move that forward wow that's amazing too oh man there's so many options here um but i think the one that's most prevalent is it would be having a conversation with my wife and um just making sure that we're on the same page and uh speaking real truth is, is the first thing that pops up most vulnerably right now Thank you for your, really, thanks for being vulnerable like that. Yeah. And so will, will you do that within 24 hours? I will. I will do that immediately after this call. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And, and will you add to that the consciousness that having this conversation with her is your contribution to heaven on earth? Absolutely. That gives it in, the feeling of intention. Like this is the why I'm doing this. Yes, I will. Correct. Absolutely. So, Let's go through the three questions again, because I think it's important for people to understand them. 
Question one, recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth, what was going on? And you went right to the experience of Maui. Boom. I, I mean, I was there. Yeah. I could see it. I could feel it. Yeah. What you did not do and what people don't do, Keith, is say, what do you mean, Martin, by heaven on earth? They <laughs> never ask that question. Well, maybe once, you know, in a billion, I don't know, whatever. But they don't ask that question. Uh -huh. And so I, when I began to discover this first question, it was like, wait a minute. How could you answer the question? You, you must have what I call an already knowing within you that knows what heaven is. That's and amazing. it just answers the question. Right. I love this. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so true. So the already, know, already knowing is there. <clears throat> Second question, imagine you have a magic wand and with it you can have heaven on earth. What's heaven on earth for you? The purpose of the magic wand, Keith, is to remove the necessity of having to know how you're going to do it. Mm. And if you don't have to know how, you can go purely and immediately to the what. Mm. And you did. Yeah, to unity. It was instant, yeah. Ima instant. Imagine a room of two, three hundred people, me doing a, a workshop, and people standing up and sharing what heaven on earth is for them. It's it's staggering. You just go so deep, so so quickly. And then the third question is, we can't just leave it there. We've got to take some action. We've got to get you in the game. How? By having you take a simple action. Because a simple action is something that you know you can and will do. And, and what I've begun to, uh, discovering is that simple is a driving force in heaven on earth. Hmm, how so? We yeah. Well, <clears throat> it, I'll tell you where I learned it. I, I was doing a webinar <clears throat> excuse me, online once and, you know, what's heaven on earth for you? What are you going to do? And this woman from uh, Austria, Elizabeth, said, oh, Martin, I know. I said, okay, what? Austria is a heaven on earth nation. Uh, and I said, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Why do you say that, Elizabeth? And she said, well, Martin, because it's simple. And that's when the I just got it. Because that was simple for her. I've had people, you know, put an addition. Uh, one, one woman put what heaven on earth, her definition of heaven on earth at the end of every email. And she, she asked people the second question, you know, imagine you have a magic wand. What's heaven on earth for you? Mm. Here's what it is for me. And then she describes it. Wow. Yeah. Why? Simple. simple. Yeah. The other uh, example that I like to use, I'll give you a couple examples here. There, a woman in, uh, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it, in Nova Scotia, uh, I forgot the name of the town. Anyway, violence against women was huge in her, her, her county. She'd been to the police, she'd been to the government, nothing. What would you do, Martin? I said, well, I don't know your financial situation. Sue, uh, you could donate $5,000. You could donate a penny. Well, what difference would a penny make? One of the other women on the phone call said, wait a minute. What if everybody in your county, Lunenburg County, that's it. What if everybody in your county donated a penny a day to help in violence against women? And she went, oh, my God. And they created a program called Making Change, whereby they, they, created, they bought these little mason jars, clear glass, and they created a little label with a picture of a woman, half her face beaten up, bruised, half her face bright, alive, with the light pouring out. And the name of the program was Making Change. 
They handed those out in, in her county and the county next door. They wanted it as well. They raised $2,500, took that to a group in the Canadian government called Status of Women, who gave them $100,000 for each of the subsequent three years. Wow. And now, now she reports anywhere she goes in the county, people's first question, what can I do to help? Wow. That's amazing. So. <laughs> It is amazing, and I love that that story because, well, what a penny? What's that's not going to make any difference? Yeah, yeah. If if you say it doesn't, it doesn't. But if you say it does, a police officer wrote a sixteen-page manual called "Heaven on Earth for Law Enforcement." If you go to my website, projectheavenonearth.com, and look under stories, you'll. I think we have sixty-three examples, from you know putting an email onto the interviewer email, uh, definition of heaven on earth, all the way up to taking on a country. We have people now taking on their country in Croatia, Denmark, Hungary, Austria, mm. uh, the Arab world, the, the Kenyan diaspora, meaning all those Kenyans outside of Kenya, which I thought was hysterical, <laughs> a province in the Philippines, Bazatlan. So the, the creativity that's unlocked here, Keith, it, it's like... When you buy and download a new um, piece of software onto your computer, you've never had this before. You download it, boom, you open it up. And what it says to you is, hello, I'm going to offer you some new possibilities and opportunities that you've never thought of before. But in order for me to do that, I need your unique content. Wow. <laughs> That's what this is. It's saying Project Heaven on Earth or Project Heaven on Earth is this new piece of metaphorical software, and we're asking for your input that only you can give. Oh, I love Whether that it's, way of thinking about it. Yeah. Only you can give this. Hmm. Wow. Did you, like, when you were getting this download and creating this whole thing, like, what what's your ultimate vision for how this would look? Okay. So... At the beginning, you were right. Um, you know, people said, you're nuts, you're nuts, you're nuts. But I was driven not by what they said, although I heard it, mm -hmm. but by, you know, no, I get this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and as it began to get more and more traction, and my book is out this year. It's available on Amazon called Project Heaven on Earth. And let me just do a little plug for the book. The book is about the three questions and the seven gateways, because by asking the question over and over, what's heaven on earth for you? What's heaven on earth for you? What's heaven on earth for you? I began to see, Keith, patterns of answers, hmm. inner heavens, outer heavens, heaven as this here now, as living a global value. Hmm. And, and the book, it's a workbook. It's not a book to just give you the idea. It was originally, but then as I got into it, I thought, no, I just don't want to give you the idea of heaven on earth. I want your participation if you choose. And so my intention is when you finish the book, you'll know what your project is mm -hmm. and what your simple is. That's amazing. And, and I'm asking people to buy three copies, one for you, one for somebody in your life right now who you know needs this, and one for somebody coming into your life that you don't know yet. Hmm. That's kind of neat. I love that perspective. And when you think about it, um, I just I want to go back to this question of so ultimately, sure. what's the what's the long term vision oh, I, for? Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, for sorry, I didn't, I, I didn't answer. Yeah. So, five or ten years ago, we heard the line 
the current story is not working. The current story is not working. We need a new story. We need a new story. But nobody named the new story. So we forgot. We, we began to no longer hear that. Mm -hmm. I and a growing number of others are saying the new story is called the new story of what it means to be a human individual mm -hmm. and what it means to be humanity collective is we are experiencing and co-creating heaven on earth. So what I'm saying in, is that the, the, the bigger picture here, the bigger game here is we have agency to change the story of what it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity so that we are thriving. And that to me is we're creating heaven on earth. Wow. Why, why not call it what we want? Yeah, absolutely. What a vision. I, I feel like so grateful that you're here on the planet serving this purpose of waking us up to this. Cause it's just, it's such a powerful way of being in the world and we do. We, we're agents of change. And I, one thing I'm really appreciating about you as well is um, I just pick up intuitively this, this part of you that realizes that it's not, um, it's not in the grand. It's like it's, it's in these small, simple steps, like the simple piece of what you're speaking about, um, all the way down to the penny story that you shared earlier. It's like every single person that you bring heaven on earth to has this ability to expand the vision too. It's just so cool yes. what you're doing here. It's... Um, it's a, it, it's a co-creation, a co-participation. Yeah, it really feels uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, we, um, I was telling before we did the interview, I wrote a, a blog recently. And, and when you sign up for the course, you'll get a, uh, the free course, you'll also get a free blog. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, I went to Google and I typed in heaven on earth, comma, 2017. Mm. There were about for 2017 about 134 million results wow about last sunday i typed in the same thing there were 240 million results oh my gosh so it's like doubled it's almost doubled i it, double would be 268 and okay. so <laughs> close I, <laughs> close to double I, that's what i'm going for that's I, i'm asking everybody who's listening you know engage with heaven on earth so let's let's move this up to 268 Wow. to a doubling wow. we're at we're at 175 percent of last year over that actually already um so we're moving what a vision i love this martin um just before we we close up here we're just getting to the end of this i i love i mean i don't know the proper wording of these questions yet off the top of my head but i would love to hear your three answers to these questions i believe the first one is <laughs> the, the first one is what's heaven on earth to you is that right now, first question is, recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth. What's heaven on earth okay. for you? Okay, yeah. So recall a time. What would it be for you right now? Um, the first thing that pops up is uh, I was a kid in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and it was the summer. My father and his brother ran a fruit store, Sunshine Fruit Market. Who knows? Somebody listening might know, <laughs> might know it. <laughs> yeah. And brought home fresh raspberries from the farm from the uh, from the farmer he didn't grow and i so love raspberries because in those days you could only get them like two three weeks there was no importing from california nonsense or argentina none of that stuff so you could get it all year long no no it's only two or three weeks so <laughs> the smell and the taste and the you know knowing that it was such a limited time and it was so precious um that that is, I don't know. That just sticks in me. I just love. It. 
that that imagery. Mm, I'm with then, you. So, yeah. You can see it, can't you? I can. I'm actually feeling my mouth tasting raspberries right now as we're talking about it. <laughs> it's nice. Okay. You want to get my good folks, folks? <laughs> Send me raspberries. Send Martin some uh, raspberries. Okay, question two. I don't like. I, I'll share anything you want, but I don't like sharing raspberries. <laughs> That's a heaven on earth for you. I love it. Right. Which is interesting. I should. So that that just tells me I should. I need to start sharing raspberries. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, is that your? Um, that's your jumping to three too quickly here. Hang on. The magic no, wand. No, no, no. It isn't. It's just. It's just you, uh, what I hear from you saying is like you know it's heaven on earth. You don't want to ruin it or share it with anybody but (laughs) but what i know is by sharing it it grows um so the second question is uh, magic wand you have yeah and with it you can have heaven on earth what's heaven on earth for you yeah oh boy it's that the world gets that we gets the new story is we are experiencing and co-creating heaven on earth and that 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 has deep traction deep resonance it's an obvious for people um and we know that we did it with god's help with spirit's help uh but and that we acted you know in the fullness and the goodness of our agency to bring that about to experience it and to continue creating more of it in, in subsequent moments. Wow. And then the third question, what simple, easy step will I take in the next 24 hours to have more of that? <laughs> to have more of that? Do you know what just popped into my, this is the weird, I've never had this before. I'm going to go into the other room where my wife is sitting and I'm going to give her a kiss. Oh, I love it. I no, I just I have to tell you this story. We were together okay. having breakfast about two months ago, and she just looked up from the table and said, "I love you," and it, it just it caught me by surprise, hmm. and I blushed. This was after forty six years of being together. Wow, wow, that is so sweet. No, I I love that story. It's true. I, I'm blushing telling you the story. Oh, I love it. This is so cool. I love this action. This third part of this is just so powerful because it like takes it from the conceptual and like brings it into reality. It's like, it's going to happen. That is really exciting. Wow. It's going to happen and it is happening. It is happening. The beam. Yes. It's clearly coming in. Um, I can see it, you know, with that, that Google study that I told you about. Um, If you go onto, there's a, a service, a free service called Google alert Yes, you can go on and, and enter the phrase "heaven on earth." Yep, and you'll get a, a report every day of how it's showing up in English media around the world. It's staggering how it's showing up. Wow. Um, it's it's it's. You know, I, I think of um, uh, the South of the U.S. during segregation, and all these black churches had all these meetings about you know segregation is wrong. We got to do something about it. And all that soil was, you know, tilled and fertilized and, and seeds planted and watered and light shone on it. And then all of a sudden, boom, Martin Luther King arose and, you know, and the voters' rights things arose. And yes, there were problems during the way, but it, it just, the, the, um, 
the soil was tilled sufficiently that it just popped. And I've been feeling lately, there's a word I've been using called traction. Mm. I've been feeling little bits of traction on this, um, little examples that just keep showing up and the frequency is in increasing and the ability of people to just get this easier and easier without resistance is showing up. Mm. So, and I'm hyper attuned to that. And uh, it is clearly here. Wow, that's amazing. Well, the, the site, everyone to check out, it's Project Heaven on earth.com and uh, we're talking to Martin Root who's really rooted in this place of heaven <laughs> on earth and uh, Martin I just am so grateful uh, for you taking the time to, to share this vision and this transformative process with us today and um, I really hope that we can continue to watch this all grow in the next little bit Keith, thank you so much for this. Uh, you know, I can always tell a good interview because I've said some things here that I've never said before in terms of depth and clarity. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and I just a plug for the book too. The book is the, by the same name, Project Heaven on Earth, and it is on uh, Amazon. So thank you and thanks everyone who's listening. And please let me know what you're doing, what your projects are for Heaven on Earth. Beautiful. Thanks, Martin. All right. Well, that was Martin Root, and I hope you've enjoyed that interview just as much as I did. What do you think, G? Wow. Yeah. There's so, some pretty pretty big concepts right there. Big concepts and like a serious, powerful list of questions to ask yourself. Um, that final one about what what are you going to do in the next 24 hours to yeah. bring heaven on earth? Just back to your original one. Yeah. Any, any inspiration of what you're going to do? Uh, I think for me, I love nature so much it brings me happiness and fulfillment and balance so i think getting out there and just getting clarity whenever i feel stuck or unsure it just reconnect with nature and it kind of brings me back to who i am oh i love it this is like amazing because everyone's going to have their own perspective on heaven on earth but then like the action step of us all taking at least one step towards creating our version of heaven on earth yeah it's like this step towards 2019 being the most peaceful amazing year ever it's true and i think that's the one step that people forget about when they think about creating something in their life is taking that first step yeah so that's huge yeah. and however it may be in whichever small big way people choose to do it it's powerful it's just taking that step yeah so whoever's listening right now this is on time for you Take your first step, to define it. What is heaven on earth to you? And take that first step towards it. And I wish you, and G here as well, we wish you a very, very happy new year. Uh, live your best life. Any final parting words, G? Live your best life. I like it. Let's end there. Live your best life. Have a great week, everyone. Mm -hmm.